Well, this morning, um, I'm going to be preaching out of Acts chapter 4. If you have your Bible with you, um, if you have a, a version app, whatever you want to use, start making your way towards Acts chapter 4. Um, and I want to just kind of start off with a big question for us to start thinking through. And the question goes like this. Are there things in our life that we do or have done that are quote-unquote crazy for very little reward? So if we've ever done anything or maybe we do something that's kind of like crazy or out of the ordinary for not a lot of reward. For instance, Super Bowl's coming up. Maybe you're like going to be at your house with your own body just painted, <laughs> like in your own living room, like, for my team, like just a diehard fan. They're not paying you to like paint your chest or anything like that or your face, right? Or maybe you have like some type of ritual where you don't wash your jersey for your favorite team or you have to wear this outfit, you know, like there's sometimes some things we do that are out of the ordinary, kind of crazy without much reward. Or how about this? Who is the person or who are the people that they see that gas station that has maybe like two cents cheaper than the one on your side of the road, but it's going to take like five stoplights to like get around and take multiple lefts just to get that two cent discount. Who's ever done that? And like the time that it takes to like even get over there like negates the financial benefit. And you're like, ah, that was kind of whatever, right? Not much of a reward. I remember even when I was a youth pastor at my old church, we would do this game just called, what would you do for a dollar? <laughs> that was the game. And students were crazy. For just a dollar, they would literally like lick my shoe, like on the bottom of it. They would do that for a dollar. We get a random concoction of stuff from the kitchen and just put it in a blender and say, would you drink it for a dollar? And they're like, yeah. It was just a dollar, right? We do some weird things sometimes for little or no benefit. Well, uh, recently in my own life, I have done something kind of dumb, crazy, whatever you want to say, for kind of little or no benefit. And more for just maybe intrinsic or familial status within my family. Um, so my wife, um, her uncle has a cabin up at Priest Lake, and last week we were able to spend a day or two up there and just kind of get away, enjoy the scenery. They have like two feet of snow up there. It's beautiful. And so we're up there, and at my wife's cabin, there's this big, big wood round on the wall that says, are you in? And on that big wood round, it's divided into 12 sections, like pie shapes, that's for each month. And essentially what you do is if you get in the water at Priest Lake, you get to write your initial in that little pie chunk. So July and August, a lot of names are in those pie chunks, right? January, February, there's no names <laughs> at all. So we were up there. Um, her, her parents ended up coming, also my wife's sister and her husband. And the conversation was, are we in? Do we want to jump in? in January into Priest Lake. Granted, Priest Lake is like 30 minutes away from the Canadian border, up in the mountains, and like part of the lake is like frozen over. So the water temp is probably 32.000001, just below or just above freezing, right? And so the conversation is, are we in? Well, I want to play a quick video just to explain the rest of this story for us. January 
Oh my goodness. What the heck, man? Why? Why? Is the question I even asked myself, watching myself. Why? Why? So we endured this crazy action for what? The honor of getting a Sharpie and writing our initial, so my initial is CJ, on this piece of wood. That was the reward. And that's fun and it's great. We have memories. But afterwards, I was kind of like challenged, like, man, if I'm willing to do something like that crazy just for initial on a piece of wood, like, what, what am I doing in my life for Jesus that's crazy outside of the box? Things that bring excitement or things that bring people like, what the heck did he just do, right? And so I think we have to start to look sometimes at our life and ask ourselves some questions about what am I doing? Am I in for Jesus and how to be in for Jesus? So this morning, we're going to unpack more of this thought and read through Acts chapter 4 about an ordinary man, Peter, and how he did some crazy things for the cause of Christ through the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And so I want to pray for us right now, and then we're going to be reading in Acts chapter 4. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we can gather here, read from your word, that the Holy Spirit will bring that alive for us to apply to our hearts and our minds and our spirits so that we can be challenged but encouraged to live all and be all in for you, Lord Jesus. So God, speak through me this morning. Let my words be of you and not of me. And um, we just give you the honor and praise. Amen. So just a quick background before we go into Acts chapter 4. Uh, Jesus has died. He has been crucified. He has raised, rose, risen from the dead. And he has told the apostles, hey, wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go away, but in a few days, the Holy Spirit's going to baptize you, and then you will be empowered to essentially start this church movement of which we right now are still living in. This is 2,000 years ago. Um, the writer of the book of Acts is Luke. He also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And this is a very accurate historical narrative and really a, a historical document. A lot of people try to debunk it, but they can't. It holds its weight in the educational world, higher educational world. Um, a lot of his, um, historians, they say, no, these things happen. These acts of the apostles that we read here in the book of Acts, they're legit. They happened, so, which is really cool. And I love that when you read the stories in the Bible that they are real. They come alive, and it's like, no, that happened. And it's so cool to picture that. So I want us right now to now jump into Acts chapter 4, and we're going to get into a, a, a part where Peter and John have just had some big miraculous things happen. They just healed some people. Um, they were in the upper room. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They came out of the upper room and they were speaking in all these different languages. And all these people are like, what is going on? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks with boldness. And 3,000 people are saved pff, like that, which is crazy what has happened. And so now all the Jewish leaders are taking notice and they're kind of asking questions like, What's going on? I thought, we, I thought we killed that Jesus guy. But his followers, they're, they're doing some big, big things. So let's jump here in Acts chapter 4. We're going to be reading from verses 1 through 20. It says this, While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. 
These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Now, kind of a quick note, they only counted men back then. So really, that number could be two or three times the amount. So there's probably 15 to 20,000 people that are now a part of this early church movement back 2,000 years ago. So verse 5. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other, other relatives by the high priest. This is the same group of people that had just murdered Jesus. The same group of people. Now they're kind of seeing his followers, and they have them in court. So they're like, hmm, another story, part two, essentially, right? Um, so we're here in verse 7. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man who was just healed because he had been crippled since birth? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there, could, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Hashtag won't stop, can't stop, right? So there's a lot happening in this section of scripture and in this account, in this narrative of Peter and John being in front of this council of high priests in the Jewish faith. And for, for us this morning, I'm going to have some questions that we need to ask ourselves. And these are questions not to be condemning or anything like that, but to be challenging for us as Christians. And I think as Christians, if we claim Christ, we should be asking ourselves some of, these, uh, some of these questions fairly regularly so that we can say, man, like, is my life reflecting Jesus? So th this first question is this. Does my life constitute someone asking questions about what I believe when it comes to Jesus? So does my life constitute someone asking questions about what I believe when it comes to Jesus? Do neighbors, coworkers, 
family members, just people that you know and interact with, do they see a difference in you compared to the average Joe? Is there something they're like, man, there's just a difference in, in who you are. Maybe it's your language is different, and not just that it's clean, that you don't you know, swear and tell bad jokes, but that your language has encouragement in it, that it holds life in it, that you're bringing life to people through your speech. Same with even on like social media, what you're posting, what you're sharing, all these things, they are bringing life to people and they're not tearing people down. Are your relationships healthy, building each other up? Is there humility within your life? And you can go on and on and on with a whole laundry list of things, but essentially, is your life reflecting Jesus? The Jesus that we read about here in the Bible, is your life reflecting that? So does my life constitute someone asking questions about what I believe when it comes to Jesus? What we see here in Peter's case from this narrative in Acts chapter 4 is a very clear yes. I mean, they're literally interrogating him about what he believes about Jesus, right? They have him there before him in their like jail asking him questions. Peter would be a person who would be like, quote unquote, all in for the cause of Christ. He doesn't care about his safety or the cultural reputation that he is putting himself in because he knows where he stands in Christ. And that's all that really truly matters. So he's like, hey, I know where I'm at. I know who I am in Christ. And so I'm going to be all in. He is not concerned about his past, present, or future circumstances. And just as a reminder, Peter, he was the guy who denied Christ a few weeks before. He was one of his best friends, and in the heat of the moment, when Christ is being crucified, and they're like, wait, aren't you one of his disciples? He's like, no, 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 and just basically spits in Jesus' face and wants nothing to do with him. He was a guy who had a bad past. He would be one of the worst pasts, but he's not allowing that to change his circumstances as he's in his present cultural context of defending what he believes about Christ. He is all in. He's doing something crazy. He is healing people. He is speaking boldly in front of thousands of people, even if it means I'm going to go to jail, even if it means, man, that guy is crazy. He's whacked out. No, he knows who he is in Christ, and he is bringing people into relationship with Jesus. So if there was anybody who was all in, I think we would say Peter. Peter's all in for the cause of Christ. And for us, when it comes to people asking questions, it doesn't have to be like in this context where you're literally in jail, <laughs> like before people, and they're just like, what do you know about Jesus? Sometimes I feel like maybe our culture is slowly getting to that like place, but it might be through the people that you interact with, other friends, coworkers, other moms, whoever it might be. They might say something like, hey, like you, you mentioned that you go to church a lot, you take your kids to VBS, or they go to youth group, or you, you mentioned that you serve, you do this, you go to these women's events, or you're going to man camp. Um, like, why? Like, what, wh why? And that might be a great time to speak with boldness of, here is why. They might notice some things about you. They might say, like, man, you, you are so encouraging and respectful to our boss. I can't stand him. Like, he is mean, he is demanding. How, how are you still respectful to him? Or how can you forgive your father? He destroyed our family. He is dead to me. Like, how can you actually have forgiveness in your heart for that man? That could be an opportunity to profess forgiveness 
in Jesus and for us. I even asked Pastor Mark. I say, Mark, how do you have the patience of Job being a 49ers fan? I just, teach me your ways. Right? Job wins in the end. (laughs) So we truly need to take some time to ask ourselves questions like these. Is my life putting people in positions to ask questions about what I believe in Jesus or why I believe in Jesus. Essentially, am am I all in? Am I all in willing to get a little risky to help others know Jesus and to live for him daily? When my wife and I were up at Priest Lake, we could have easily taken a little picture for our Instagram of like the fire, it's roaring, and have like a little like book and being like, oh, like this is great, coffee's on, hashtag. And people would have been like, oh, that was great, you had an enjoyable time, like blah, blah, blah. But instead, I posted that crazy video of us polar plunging, and there was a lot of response. I mean, you guys were like, yeah, I love seeing torture, <laughs> like, right? But From that post, it was out of the ordinary. It was, quote unquote, crazy, and people took notice. People asked questions. A lot of my friends from college were like texting me like, you didn't really do that, did you? And I was like, yeah, I didn't fake that. (laughs) Like, that's real, (laughs) right? And so for us in our life, we have to ask ourselves, like, what are we willing to do that's a little crazy, that's outside the box, outside of our comfort zone, that'll allow people to ask questions of like, why, why did you do that? Why did you love that person that is so hard to love? Why did you go out and serve these people that they don't deserve your service? What are some things that are crazy to step outside your comfort zone for the cause of Christ? Now, with that, we have to ask ourselves another very important question to to be all in and to continue to be all in, and that's this question right here. Have I allowed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to lead my life. And scripture is very clear that we need help, that we need an advocate who leads us, empowers us, speaks for us, and truly gives us what we need to live a life that's all in for Jesus. We can talk strategies, self-reminders, we can read all these great books that are out there to be the best person, all those things, and there's good stuff from that. But unless we have the Holy Spirit leading our life, we're only going to get so far. Those things are okay. But what I see from Scripture and what Jesus talks of and what the early church models is you got to have the Holy Spirit in your life leading you forward. And that's how you can truly be all in for Jesus. So Jesus, he didn't suggest to the apostles before he went away and ascended up to heaven, like, eh, you might want to, like, have this Holy Spirit thing. Eh, you know, if you want to do it, that's okay. It's on your own time, blah, blah, blah. No, he was very clear and direct. He said, you need this. Like, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for this. So I want to just go right now to Acts chapter um, 1. And just read verses 3 through 5 and also verses 8. So here's what it says. This is Jesus hanging out with the disciples before he ascends in Acts chapter 1. So verse 3, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, which, time out, that's crazy. Did you just read that? Like a dead guy (laughs) appears to them from time to time. Sometimes I read over that stuff and I'm like, that is awesome. 
And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Wait, he's alive, right? So I just love stuff like that. It just makes it really encouraging. Sorry, side note, I just geeked out for a second. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse four, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to verse 8, and then Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the, excuse me, uh, ends of the earth. If we continue on in our Christian life without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we're selling ourselves short. We're not allowing the fulfillment of God's plan in our life to fully work through us. We're doing a little bit on our own power still. So we need to be Holy Spirit empowered to be all in for Jesus. Be obedient to what Christ has called us to do as Christ's followers so we can be empowered to do those crazy things in his name. To do those things where people ask questions like, whoa, like, how are we able to speak to all those people? It's through the Holy Spirit. It's not in my own power. It's through God's Spirit that he was able to do that. And by faith, we can ask for and believe in the power of God's Spirit to lead us into all truth, convict us of sin, and allow us to live a life that is all in for Jesus. When our culture is so opposite, the culture wants to take us in step by step, but by the Holy Spirit, we can overcome those temptations, overcome what the culture wants, and be righteous in a life, spirit-empowered in Christ. See, the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. It's a second work of grace that we simply just need to ask for and believe in. As Christians, when we say yes to Jesus, God's Spirit is within us. That is true. Scripture speaks of that. But we also need to enact that spirit within who we are and by faith profess it and believe in it to live spirit-empowered. If we're not doing that, again, we are selling ourselves short. And I think Peter is a clear-cut example of this. Multiple times in the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 2 and chapter 4 like we're just reading, It'll say the, the, the Spirit of God spoke through Peter with boldness, or Peter spoke with boldness through the Holy Spirit. He was an ordinary guy. He was a fisherman. There was nothing special about him, but the Holy Spirit was able to use him in a miraculous way. So I want to just mention back now to Acts chapter 4, verse 13, just to, for us to be refreshed of this. It says this, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. When we are empowered with the Holy Spirit, people notice. People will take notice. Things happen. Miracles occur. God is honored. Truth is spoken. And love and hope are given. We see this in the life of Peter. The leaders of that Jewish faith, they were questioning. They were like, what is going on? I thought we ended this movement, but now it's even bigger than before. 
They're asking questions. They're, they are taking notice because God's spirit is working through just everyday people like you and I to do miraculous things in his name. What I love about that last verse is it says the leaders recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Now, they physically were with Jesus in his ministry, but also spiritually too. And that's true for us as well, is we can be people who have been with Jesus. In John 16, um, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Essentially, Jesus is saying, I work through the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit that's empowering you is essentially me. He tells you of me. He witnesses of me. So like this verse says, we too can be people who had been with Jesus and who are with Jesus, proclaiming the love that he has and the hope that he has to a lost and broken world. And so in this moment, even for us, um, I want us to be able to have an opportunity to think through, but also to act on this promise of the Holy Spirit, and to be able to say, man, in my life, maybe I just forgot about who I can be in the Holy Spirit and how God can work through me, and I just need to remind myself and just refresh in that promise that God has for me, or maybe it's, I don't think I've ever really confessed a belief in a faith that I need the Holy Spirit. I've just kind of been doing this on my own, and I kind of feel like I'm hitting some, some dead ends, well, we want to give an opportunity for you to be able to receive the fullness of God's Spirit, to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And I'm going to invite the worship team just to come out, um, just to provide an atmosphere, but also for us to, to have worship through voice as well as people are being prayed for. But I'm going to just speak for a few more moments as they're getting settled as well. So as we look at this narrative of Peter... I'm hoping that we're starting to see some application for our lives or maybe some challenge for our lives. And that Peter, ordinary guy, fisherman, no education, nothing, but him and the other apostles were used to create a catalytic movement that really historians are just baffled by. Like, how could this group of people create what we have now today in 2019? Billions of people, literally, following Jesus. And that's only because through the Holy Spirit, they were able to create that movement and others, spirit-empowered, continued that on. So I'm hoping that we're getting some, some good application, some challenge of, what about my life? You know, have I allowed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to lead my life? What I love about this is the crazy things that Peter did weren't for a little reward. They weren't just for him to like write on some little piece of wood in his like hut in Jerusalem or whatever. Or it wasn't for him to get a couple likes on his Instagram if he had it back then. He probably didn't, just saying. Um, but what he was able to do was to allow people to write their name in the book of life, to bring them back into relationship with God. That's the reward that he was leading them into. That's the crazy things that he was doing was for that reward. That's a great reward, amen, that we would be leading people to know Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to continue to go for Jesus through the Holy Spirit empowerment that is given for us. And just as a reminder, Peter's in jail during this. Like, he's like on the hot seat. 
he doesn't care. He's like, this is where I've brought to, so I'm going to tell these people who are trying to put me in jail about Jesus. He's like, whatever context I'm in, I'm all in for Jesus. I'm willing to talk about him and profess his name, even if it makes my future circumstance not too great. He is willing, no matter what, to be all in. So as we boil this down, I want one last question for us to think through, and it's simply this. Am I all in? Am I all in? If so, what am I going to do about it? Am I all in? And if so, what am I going to do about it? Now, the easy thing at this point as a pastor is to give you like a list of things to do. Well, here's how you're all in. You got to serve your neighbor. You got to tithe. You got to do this. You got to read your Bible. And yes, those are all good things and things of obedience we should do as Christ's followers. But what I see from scripture, what I see modeled here in the early church is they first and foremost were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Everything else fell in line after that. Everything else occurred. Uh, Even in our commons, in that big uh, picture above that couch, there's a scripture out of Acts 2. It kind of talks about the early church, of how they met together in fellowship and they shared commonality and shared goods and everybody was together praising Jesus and the Lord added to their numbers daily. Well, it was through the Holy Spirit they were able to do that. It wasn't through anything else. It's through the Holy Spirit that they had forgiveness for each other and kindness, and they were able to share things and also see more and more people repent and come to know who Jesus is. It was first because they had the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and everything else fell into place. They didn't try to get everything organized and read this book and do that and that, 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 that. No, they said first, Jesus said, We should be Holy Spirit empowered. Let's do that first. That's what they did. And I feel that's what scripture shows. And for us to be reminded of this morning is if we've not been Holy Spirit empowered, then we're missing the boat on this all in thing. We're just trying to do it merely on our own power and our own efforts. That's only going to go so far. The Holy Spirit's available for all is what helps us live a life that is righteous and a life that is all in for Jesus. A life that truly helps others know Jesus and to live for him daily, to be witnesses to everyone. Like it said in Acts 1.8, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all of Samaria. For us, Cheney, West Plains, Spokane County, Washington State, Northwest, go on and on and on, right? That we would forever be witnesses of who Jesus is and who we can be for people through the Holy Spirit. And maybe for some of us, you're realizing again, I've never done this. I need to have that awakening of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need the fullness of God's Spirit in my life. And I've never done that before. And I need to, I wanna wanna pray with someone. I wanna confess that, I wanna believe in it. And I wanna leave here empowered. Maybe that's for you this morning. Maybe it's just, just a big reminder That every day you wake up saying, Holy Spirit, God, I need you to empower me to overcome the temptations, to love the people that are hard to love, for your words to be through me. It's a reminder of what you need to have every single part of your day. And lastly, I want to just at least say this too. Maybe for some of us in this room, you have never had that all-in moment yet. 
of being all in for Jesus and confessing him as your savior. That's the first step right there, is saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Like Peter said earlier in this, in this uh, Acts chapter four, is salvation is found in no one else. He's telling that to these Jewish religious scholars and everybody else who's listening. I think the world says there's salvation in this or that. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. The world has it all messed up. There is salvation in no one else but through Jesus. No other name will save you. And so this morning, if you're in that place, know that truth. There is salvation in no one else but Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I want us just to stand up right now. And we're going to just put the lights down a little bit. And I'm going to ask a few questions um, just during this time. And I'm going to ask some of you to be bold. Um, I've also asked a few of our pastors and people on our prayer team just to be up front here um, to pray for those who need some prayer and just need somebody to agree with them in prayer and to pray over them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you're on our prayer team, uh, some of our pastors, you can go ahead and make your way up front in the wings by the, by the front stage here. But for us right now, I want us just to bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you are a person who has never confessed your faith in Jesus, just, just raise your hand. Maybe you're at a point in life where it's like, man, I just need to make this the real deal. I just need to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, just feel free to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. Amen. So I want you guys just to repeat this prayer after me. Just simply saying this, Jesus, you are Lord. You rose from the grave. I am a sinner and need your forgiveness. I believe in you and confess you are Lord of my life. I believe I am a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come and I am forever found in you, amen. Now, now for this next step, for some of us in this room that are like, I, I need that Holy Spirit empowerment, I need to be refreshed of that, or I've never taken this step by faith to believe in God's Spirit to baptize me so I can live a life that is empowered to do something crazy for Jesus and to be all in for Jesus. I'm gonna ask for you to be bold, and as the band is playing, we're gonna worship for just one song. I want you to come forward, and I'll be up here to pray. We have a few other people to pray with you, and just pray with those people. They're gonna lead you um, just, through, just through a few steps, just for you to confess your faith and belief of the Holy Spirit to empower you and to baptize you in the fullness of who God is. And so for a lot of us, we might just be singing, sing. I also want to encourage you, pray. Pray for those who are coming forward. Thank God for the Holy Spirit in your life. Thank God that you have this power to live a life that is all in for him. Be, be singing, be praising, be praying. But I also want to encourage those of you who just need a refreshing or need for that first time to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to come forward, be prayed for. And in a few moments, I'll come up and just close out our service as well. Let's go ahead and just praise Jesus for a little bit and we'll, we'll pray. His victory, oh praise, we'll rise to Christ our King. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us this good gift of the Holy Spirit and that we can be empowered to live a life that is all in for you, that we can truly do some miraculous things in your name through, through your Holy Spirit, Lord. So God, as we leave this room today, let us be reminded of the empowerment that we all have as Christ followers and as, as those depending on your spirit. Let that be our first thought in the morning to remind us so that in the day when we are in the struggle, when we're in those hard moments, that we're reminded the Holy Spirit is with us and is for us, is helping us and advocating for us and giving us the words to say to live all in for you, Lord Jesus. God, we give you thanks and praise for all these things. And we just worship your name always. In Jesus' name, amen.